Have you ever noticed how we're different and the same and the same and we're different and we're different and the same? All kinds of people, all kinds of people, all kinds of people in the world. Now, on the Talk of Muncie, WMUN, All Kinds of People, hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz. Getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Hey, 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 everybody. Good morning and welcome to all kinds of people. WMUN 92.5, the talk of Muncie. And with me this morning at the Wolf Boom Studios, Jim Needham. Jim, thanks for uh, making your way out to Wolf Boom. It wasn't hard to find it, but I did find it after Um, all. The big tower's gone, you know. Yeah, the big tower. I know. I'm glad you did, good sir. Hey, I want to go back to New Albany, Indiana. Um, your hometown, and maybe have you share a little bit about family life in New Albany, um, some of the activities of the family as you started to get ready to head to high school? What kinds of things were going on back then? Well, I didn't give you a full resume, so I'm going to give you some more information. I was born there in a hospital. I was there until I was two, and it wasn't real observant but I think it was a good place to be born. Yeah. And my brother had been born at the schoolhouse there because uh, the midwife didn't get there, and I mean, that's what happened anyway. And I went to the hospital and really took the quick way, you know, with the well done. surgical suite and all that stuff. Good move, good move. But I don't remember any of the rest. I guess shopping was okay. We were on the outskirts of town. I went back to find that little red schoolhouse, which had been torn down and didn't find it. But uh, in any event, I've been there and done that, and it was a long time ago, and um, it was a good place to be born. I had a, a father and mother, and I was a second child, and got in trouble right away. So it's, it was, it was, it was, you know. Jim need him in trouble. I don't quite have a concept of that, but maybe I do. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I worked for you for a while, so you know. Yeah. I did uh, have my uh, <clears throat> my whatever you call that. What kind of high school activities? Where you find yourself involved in? Well, I tried out for football and didn't make it after I went through the gauntlet. And uh, we share that so in common. Thank you. I was you. 109 pounds, and uh, they, you, you know, I, I could, I could pick up the ball and I could run with it. But when I got to the gauntlet, I, I didn't go very far because I always lost the ball early, <laughs> and discovered I'd rather play tennis than play football because I wasn't strong enough to hold on to that. When they're punching it, you know, they miss the ball. They hit your bones and your arms yeah, and exactly. your body and everything else and eventually hit the ball and then you're out of there. Thank so God. you went off on tennis. Then I went to tennis and I ran and I did other things, but I played in the, the band and um, I uh, dated and I did the other things that we did. We, we were in a big school and we started 4,600 students at Thornton Township High School and then moved to uh, the new school, Thornridge, in uh, the middle of my sophomore year and played uh, number two tennis and then uh, singles and then uh, my junior year I played number one singles. I was a solo trumpet and uh, did that and I was in a play and uh, 
in uh, our town. It yeah. was my first play. It was really to be really more important to me than I ever expected. But I had fun doing that. And um, got lost in a snowstorm during my junior year with my girlfriend. And we had to sleep on the floor of a parking lot in Dyer, Indiana, because the snow was so deep with uh, 150 of our closest non-friends that we'd never met before. <laughs> um, but uh, crazy stuff like that. And my parents said, where were you? You were in Valparaiso at the concert where your brother was playing, and all of a sudden you didn't come home. What happened? Well. Yeah, a little winter story. No cell phones. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on to Indiana State, mm-hmm. where you kind of focused on theater and psychology. I started off in physics like my dad did. Okay. I discovered that when he, after he died and, and I got all the papers, that he had entered at Indiana State as a physics major, which kind of interested me because I called him the first week and said, Dad, I've changed my major from physics to theater. And he said, what? You know, you've got four years of tuition. That's all we can do for you. And how are you going to make a living that way? I said, I'll figure it out. And, you know, by golly, a few years later, I've done that. You did that. You did it. And then got your master's. In radio and TV. I had a double bachelor's degree and really a double master's degree going, except when I got to my thesis, uh, they wouldn't let me write the thesis because I didn't prove my null hypothesis. Ah. And he said, you've got to do all the research over. And I said, I already got one master's in radio and TV. That's going to have to do. I just got married. I am not doing a second research study. (laughs) I'm nuts out of here. He said, you'll never hang your shingle. And I said, you're right. I won't. I'm in television. (laughs) Um, what, What was it about TV? that intrigued you from a career standpoint? Long story, I fell in love with it when I watched Mary Hartline on Super Circus on WGN in Chicago through the door in 1950-51 when the polio, uh, it was sort of like in a way, it was a virus going around and people were really scared. So we had to sit on the outside on the porch of this girl's house that was up the street from us. Her father was a contractor and they had money. We didn't. So the neighborhood kids gathered on the seat and watched television. And we watched that. And I just was really intrigued by what I was seeing. And then a couple years later, of course, Queen Elizabeth was coronated and we had our own TV at that time. And I just fell in love. I thought, this is awesome. I mean, we're watching this clear around the world and it's happening now. And I thought that would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, it was. And it all started in Terre Haute? WTHI? It started in Terre Haute, right. I needed a job to pay for my car, so I yeah. could date the girl I was dating at St. Mary of the Woods, and uh, so I got a job, and the, the job was as a receptionist, and then I became an FM disc jockey and an AM disc jockey, and then I got my graduate assistantship and did my master's degree. And was there a desire to stay in radio? No, not given really. Given the fact that you were doing that? No, not no. really. Time to move to TV. Well, I was getting married. I was more excited about that than than, ra- than radio or television, actually, at that point. And I wanted to get through my master's, and I knew it was all on me, so I took a student loan, like a lot of people have, and paid it off a couple years after I graduated. But I took a loan and, and uh, worked, and that's the way I got through school. I worked all the way through school. I had part-time jobs because I didn't have enough money to not do that. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, ending up in Indianapolis... Right, I really dreamed about that one day. I knew Bob Forbes, who would, went to the Good old Wish TV. Right, but I, I knew Bob Forbes when I was at Wish TV, or at uh, WTHI. And, of course, he went down and did that, and I stayed there and worked in the station. But uh, it was a, a great thing. And I said, someday I hope I could work in, in Indianapolis. That would be a dream come true. 
And it was. And it was. It was. It was really awesome. What do you remember about those days at Wish TV? Lots and lots of things. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book right now uh, about my life, my peripatetic existence, uh, moving everywhere. I moved 31 times, so enough times to lose most of the things of my childhood. But I remember Wish TV. And I went in there for a job uh, as a producer-director and uh, were, was turned down. They said, we, we just hired two last week. We don't need that, but we need a community affairs director. Do you know anything about that? I said, I don't know a lot about it, but I think I could do that. And they said, well, you have to talk to the general manager. So I came back uh, a week later and talked to him. And Dave Smith, the guy I taught with at Ball State, had been the one to recommend I go talk to Bob McConnell, the general manager, and went there and got to do that, and after a year I became his, uh, I would call it my, his legal eagle. I was responsible for pulling together all the license renewal things and interviewing community leaders all over the central part of the state for 75 miles out from uh, Indianapolis and had a great time. I loved it. They loved me. Um, I continued to do that. I ended up doing a talk show teleconference at Saturday nights at 6 and religion in the news Sunday mornings at 7.15, and when my audience doubled, I had something to argue about say, I should do this other one, and the news people didn't want to do it, and I did it, and I did it for free because he wouldn't pay me to do that in addition to my other job, but I had a great time doing it, and it really opened the door for me to move to WIPB in Muncie. Everybody, we're with Jim Needham, um, tracing an incredible career, um, uh, and when we come back, we're going to leave Wish TV and bring him into Muncie, to WIPB. But stay with us, everybody, for all kinds of people. And uh, we'll bring Jim Needham into Muncie in the end at WIPB right after this break. WMUN's All Kinds of People with Dr. Joe. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe here with All Kinds of People, and my guest is Jim Needham. Jim, we left off with you at Wish TV, and then the next thing, WIPB, Muncie, Indiana. Take us back to um, those days of public broadcasting. And what you recall about it, you're sort of sitting in an area which has a history of WIPB, and um, you become the general manager. Well, you said history. We built the transmitter building out here. You probably know that. And we refurbished the tower, put a new pylon on it. That was quite an experience. It was a, in a way, it was a... Um, a marker of the kinds of experiences I had again and again at, at WIPB. Yeah. We we had to put a new pylon up there, and uh, we got the guys out to do the work, and they had to put a gen pole on top of it, which is a big pole. It's more detail than you need and more than the audience needs to know, but it's a pole on top of the tower, so you can put a, a wheel on it, and you can take the old tower down, or the old pylon, the, the, the antenna down, which is a couple of tons, take it all the way to the ground and pick up yeah. another two-ton thing and take it to the top. And we're doing this, and the insurance guy is out there watching this whole thing, and he says, you've got clouds coming in. I said, I see that. He said, if it rains, I'm leaving because somebody's going to die. 
I said, well, I'm not leaving. They're up there. And we lost the radio transmitter, which was a, an old uh, tube-type transmitter because the rain started and it hit the, the uh, tubes and the tubes went out. And so they had arranged to say, whoop, mm. when it goes up, or whoop, whoop, when it goes down. And that was our communication. There okay. were no cell phones, okay. of course. So we prayed, and he left. So once you got the tower built, what uh, are some of the things you remember at IPB in terms of programming and doing other things? Well, we prayed through a lot of that. You know, I was on my knees for the first six weeks saying, God, did you bring me here to fail? Uh, everybody started leaving because they thought the station was going to go dark. And we started hiring people that had production experience from other places. And it was the best thing possible because when we had opportunities to do programs like the Endurathon and Bob Ross, which came along later, and the Telesale, we had people who loved to do production, were really good at it, and I'd gotten to hire all of them, and I loved that. Initially, I really didn't love it. I thought, why are people bailing out? This is so hard. What am I supposed to do? God, everybody's leaving me. Well, they were leaving because I needed to bring in other people with a lot better experience. Mm. And we did that, and it really gave us the ability and flexibility and, and uh, con uh, conviction that we could handle anything. We walked in the door, and when Bob Ross walked in the door in February of 82, we said, we can do that. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding? We put a we put a cameraman on the back of a motorcycle and doing a durathon. Can we take a picture of a guy painting a painting in, in our studio? Are you kidding? Of course we can. And we can do it well. What are some of the memories of the Bob Ross thing? They're all good. it had an impact. They're all good. Uh, it was wonderful to start with him. And they said, if you can get 25 stations to pick this up in the PBS program fair, we'll do another series for 13 programs of $13,000. And we said, okay. Uh, we can do that, and we put it up, and we got, we got 30 pro, uh, t stations. And the second time we put it up, we got 60. The third, we had 100, and in, literally in two or three years, we had 300 stations, and ultimately almost every one of them. And because of that, it gave us an, uh, an ent entree to other stations because they said, WIPB can do good production. We'll look at anything they put out there, and, and they did. Yeah, and... Any personal memories with Bob? Oh, yeah, lots of them. But uh, the one I really enjoyed the most, I suppose, was when we went to the Grand Ole Opry. Because when I was a little kid and we lived in Goshen, Indiana, which was one of the steps along the way, we had stood on bales of hay and did our own little Grand Ole Opry show for the kids in the neighborhood, my brother and I. And we'd sit up there with, with tennis rackets in place of uh, guitars, which we didn't have, and pretend to be singers and sing songs from the Grand Ole Opry. And I thought, someday I would like to go and see that. Not only did we see it, we ended up on the stage. Bob was there, being introduced by uh, Hank Snow, who was the MC that night. And Bob grabbed my knee and said, I'm not going up there alone. I said, Bob, they're here to see you. They don't know me from Adam. Get up there. And I pushed him, and he stood up. And Hank said, come on over here, Bob. And they gave him a, a, a standing ovation. It was just unbelievable. I said, there's 3,500 people who know who this guy is, and I got to help make him famous. <laughs> and Bob had called and said, I'm not going unless you're going with me to, to Nashville. We had a great time. It was just, a, it was one of the, he loved people. He loved the people who watched his show. He always wanted to do things that weren't more difficult than they could manage, but he was an incredible artist. We're with Jim Needham, everybody, who just uh, shared with you a Grand Old Opry little treat. Thank you. And um, I, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that um, you went on to be a professor at Ball State and we both worked together at that. And one of the things that I know the students always said in a very positive way, that they loved your red pen <laughs> because you were a master editor of their work, which really 
long-term, helped all of them out. But what about the teaching side as you slid back after leaving WIPB? What do you recall about those classroom experiences? Because you had a big impact on so many students. Uh, it was a treat. Uh, I had an opportunity to leave the teaching profession the year after I was here. A headhunter uh, tracked me down and said, we've got this great opportunity. We talked about it. I talked to Linda about it. She said, you know, you're cooking for me. I'm doing, my wife's a realtor, Linda was, uh, for many years, a very good one. And she said, uh, she said, you really want to know what I think? I'll go with you wherever you go. It'll be a good professional cha change for you. You'll double your salary and, you know, uh, we can do that. But I start all over, and at that point she was selling real estate and making a lot more than I was making as a professor. And I said, well, what do you really think? And she said, I like you better the way you are right now. And I said, okay. And I called Ron Bornstein, uh, who was the guy who had been in uh, Nebraska, and said, I'm, I'm not in the market anymore. Just take my name off your list. And I stayed, and it was the best thing I ever did. I cooked for Linda, and she lied to me and told me what a great cook I was. <laughs> and I did that for 17 years, and those were the best years in her real estate. And I could, of course, I could grade papers any time, day or night with my red pen. Yeah, the red pen. Yeah, well, I love the students. They love me. I had conversations. I'll tell you the most interesting thing I ever did with a student. A girl from China, we had students from all over, you know, that came through our program. And she wrote uh, her paper and turned it in, and I said, this is not something you wrote. And she came and she, she came and said, I'm going to shut the door. I said, you can't do that. We're not allowed to shut the door. I'm shutting the door. Okay. What do you want to say? She said, I did all of that. And she sat down. I'm going to write for you what I'm telling you. And she sat down and wrote. And she wrote for an hour and a half. I didn't usually do that with a student, but I wrote for an hour and a half. And when she finished, I looked at it and read it. I read what she had written. And it was better than the papers she had turned in in class. And I said, oh, my God, you, you've written all your own papers. I told you that. And tears are running down her face because she's been called a liar, you know, in a sense. Okay. And I said, I am so sorry. You're going to get an A in my class. That's a good memory to keep on. Well, you know, you don't, you don't know no, until, you, really don't. until you, as uh, our friend Michael Greger says, put it to the test. Well, I did. I didn't mean to do it that way, but she was she was brilliant. She was, and when I taught in Korea later, after I retired, what I already knew was that students who think they know English can write it better than they can talk it. So I made them do blogging for me, and that's the way I evaluated their learning. Yeah, yeah. You were very good at doing that. And well, like I said... You were too. The red pen was very familiar. Well, <laughs> I they, always enjoyed those stories about the red pen. Thank you. My son kept saying to me, Dad, my friends tell me you're a good professor, but the worst thing you do is you're the master of the obvious. You keep repeating obvious things. And I said, that's what good coaches do. <laughs> um, as we wind up this chat with Jim Needham, um, what do you and Linda do with your extra time once in a while now? I don't know what that is. I know a lot of words, but extra time is not one I know. Um, I know you're both still very busy. We're busier in retirement than we were in working, and, and the only difference is we don't get paid for this, but we get paid in a realm that's way, way better than the cash that sits in my pocketbook. Uh, we just love people, and we're working. I was in the hospital this morning to see a patient of ours that's part of our prayer team that we care for, and I'm in charge of that at the church, and I do other things. I used to teach Sunday school for many years. God got me ready for what I was doing. Yeah, I, I taught Sunday school to the elderly uh, for 26 years before I started teaching at Ball State. Yeah. So I had a little experience doing that with a crowd of people who collectively were a lot smarter than I was. Yeah. And I always knew that. It's just wonderful that you devote that kind of time to help others out. And 
I've enjoyed the friendship that we've had together, and I also know that you're going to probably find time to hit a golf ball, and I know i got to join Hey, I made that. an offer to you. I know you have, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> we've been with Jim Needham, everybody. Um, WIPB's former manager, very active with a variety of groups in town, and I hope all of you tune in to all kinds of people um, and listen more and more to our shows on the Talk of Muncie 92.5. Everybody have a good week, and uh, thanks to Jim Needham for joining me on today's program.